0: This is episode 51 of the Evolved Marriage Podcast. Today I'm talking to Nate Bagley about roommate syndrome. Nate is a relationship educator with a podcast called Growth Marriage. He started this line of work back in 2012 when he quit his job and traveled across the United States interviewing other couples and their incredible love stories. His goal was to figure out what makes truly epic love. Him and his wife, Angeline, are on a life mission to help resurrect struggling marriages and rid the world of roommate syndrome. So I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation. We talk about exactly what to do in order to step outside of this roommate syndrome and recreate this passion in your marriage. Hi, this is Kate. I'm a fierce mom and teacher. And this is Eric, her lucky husband and certified relationship coach. And this is the Evolve Marriage Podcast. Where we have fun with growth and connection. Thanks for being here. Here we go. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Evolve Marriage Podcast. I want to welcome Nate Bagley from Growth Marriage. Thanks for joining us, Nate.
1: My pleasure.
0: So, I've been following you for quite a while. I've been uh, introduced from a friend of mine, Zach Brittle, about two years ago when you did the Roommate Summit, which was pretty powerful, oh, yeah. which I love. That was probably ages ago for you, but it's still in my mind. That's great. Yeah, man. So, I'm really, really excited to have you on here, just sharing a lot of your wisdom around you know, this idea of roommate syndrome with our audience. But before we jump into that, what's something you're currently evolving in your own marriage
1: We have a baby that's 18 months old. And one of the things that we started doing as new parents is tracking her developmental leaps. So every couple of weeks or months, especially early on in a baby's life, there are these moments where it's like, Oh, your baby is starting to see things clearly now they can recognize distance or they start to notice like they're differentiating themselves. They can tell when you're not in the room and it worries them. And every time they go through one of these developmental leaps, they get a little more cranky, they get a little bit more irritable, and it, it's it's a bit of a challenging time. And then things get normalized and then there's another developmental leap. And I feel like the last couple of weeks, I've definitely been going through a developmental leap myself in, in my marriage. And the thing that's been really difficult for me is I've noticed that the things that frustrate me most about other people, including my wife, are things that I don't like about myself. I know that's a common thing, but those things have just been a little bit more glaring lately than they have been in the past. And um, I'm seeing a little bit more clearly some of my weaknesses and imperfections and insecurities being reflected back at me. And it's it's painful. And I feel like a little baby going through a developmental leap where I'm seeing the world a little bit differently. And it's a little painful and a little a little hard to swallow. I really appreciate you
0: kind of just being open and honest about it because I think it's something a lot of people face. Yeah. And to be honest, I think a lot of people shy away from some of these challenges. Yeah. You know, as we have these close interpersonal relationships, you know, with your, your young daughter coming into your life, I think oftentimes we have these kind of core inner conflicts that, you know, people closest to us can often reflect and it's challenging. So good on you for facing those men in a really healthy way.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So uh, I wanted to dive into this idea of the roommate syndrome, which uh, you and your wife are really known to talk about. uh, So I was really excited to connect with you about that. Can you tell me a bit, you know, what exactly this means to you? And I think even more than that, I'd love to know, you know, how a couple starts from this place that's exciting, novel, full of desire to, you know, eventually with life ending up in this spot that feels a little more like a business relationship or a roommate relationship.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna. Can I tell you, I want to use an analogy to describe roommate syndrome. Go for it. So I want you to imagine, maybe you can imagine me, because I don't know if you're a handyman or not. Are you, are you pretty handy? Are you like good at building things? And
0: Yeah, all my friends
1: listening to this podcast probably say no, but I like to think I am. <laughs> I am not that guy. Like okay. if you need a light bulb changed, I can take care of it. But anything beyond that, I have to look up lots of YouTube videos and I need a lot of help. So if you were to take me to like a beautiful one acre plot of land, and you were to drop me off there with a giant pile of supplies, of lumber, of cement mix, of nails and screws. And then you gave me a whole bunch of, a warehouse full of tools and then said, Nate, we're gonna come back. We're gonna leave you here and we're gonna come back and check on you in about a year. And we want you to, for the next year, take everything that you've got here and build your dream home. That's an exciting prospect but at the same time it gives me a lot of dread because I am confident that when those people, when you come back to check on me to see what I built at the end of that year, I know I will have built something and it will be relatively habitable, but I am confident that it would not look anything like my dream home because I don't know. I don't know about finish work or electrical or plumbing. Now that's not to say I'm not capable of it. I think if I had some training and some, some guidance, somebody to come show me the ropes and how to use all the tools and everything, and maybe somebody helped me design a plan, like give, gave me a blueprint, I might be able to have a better shot. But in my current state, absolutely not. And I think what a lot of people experience in marriage is they get married and they they meet this person they wanna spend the rest of their life with. And they're like, we can create something really beautiful together. And they get married and they go off to this plot of land, this metaphorical, you know, they, they start working on their marriage together. And a couple of years go by and they take a step back and they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What we have and what I thought we were gonna have, those two things do not look the same, you know? And I like to think I have pretty good taste. Like if I were to go house shopping, I. I can pick out a nice house with a great floor plan and I, I like I know what I like and I, I'm confident that what I like is gonna be something like that my wife likes or that, that a lot of other people will like. So it's not a problem of taste here just like most people probably know what they want in a relationship. You know, they want great communication. They want to be able to apologize and forgive one another. They want to have that passion that grows over time. They want to be able to manage conflict gracefully. They they want to have, pursue meaningful goals together. They want to have lots of inside jokes. Like there's a lot of things that people want in their relationship because they have really good taste, but nobody's ever sat them down and given them a blueprint or showed them the skills that they need to master in order to have a great relationship. And so what happens is most people start building together and they reach their limitations. They bump into projects that need to be tackled or issues that need to be addressed that they don't have the skills to address properly. And so they start to say, oh, well, we're just going to avoid that over there. We're going to avoid that 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 plumbing issue or we're gonna just dance around that electrical issue or we've got a leaky ceiling over here if we just put a bucket out that'll solve it for now and you end up having a relationship that doesn't look anything like what you hoped it would look like and to me that's what roommate syndrome is it's this feeling of stuckness it's this feeling of this isn't what i signed up for it's this feeling of we're having the same arguments over and over again we're not having sex anymore we're not kissing we're not connecting we're kind of in sweatpants mode Things are functioning okay, like they're workable, but they're definitely not enjoyable. And I don't think anybody gets married to not enjoy marriage. Like we get married so that we want to have a life together that's maximally enjoyable. And when we get to that roommate soon syndrome phase, it can be a little scary. Yeah.
0: And I guess, you know, as I was listening to you say, and I love that analogy, I think it's really powerful to think about. You know, I, I think of myself when Kate and I were experiencing a lot of this, and I think it was hard for me to admit, like I had so much frustration about where my marriage was. And it was hard to admit that I was doing anything wrong. I think that's where I was at of like, I think deep down I was like, okay, Eric, you could probably do better. But I do think yeah. it's much easier to kind of look at your surroundings and pinpoint everything that's wrong. And I find that a lot of times couples, which I was included to in that like four years ago, where it was very much this if then reality. If I start to see Kate do this, then I will be invested. But very little of me at that time wanted to expend energy into a home, building this home with Kate that I wasn't sure was actually going to be able to be realized. We have awareness that we're in these roommate places where, hey, it's not really working. The business is there. The mortgage is paid. The kids are taken care of. And we have awareness around it. But even beyond that, what is preventing us from then going out, learning the skills, taking action and finding that courage?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that get in the way. One is simply the fact that I don't think most of us have seen really good examples of what a great marriage can look like. I think when you drive through the subdivision of marriages and you look around, most of the houses are a little dilapidated. They're a little worn. You know, the shutters are on an angle and the lawn's a little overgrown and the houses need a new paint job. And if you've never seen a great marriage, how good a marriage can be, then you don't really know what to hope for, what to strive towards. You don't have a very clear goal. And I think that stands in the way for a lot of people. There's also a lot of myths that we buy into. For example, I think one of the most common myths that people buy into is that roommate syndrome is basically the beginning of the end. Now, Roommate syndrome is definitely inevitable. Every relationship will eventually drift into roommate syndrome at some point, if not multiple times. But believing that it's the end of the line for the relationship instead of a chapter of the relationship that has more chapters after it, that's, I think, where some people can give up. They become a little hopeless. They get despair. And they start to think like, oh, well, this is just what happens after you've been married for seven years or a decade or or 15 years is you kind of get stuck in this funk and then you just survive together. So that can be part of it. And then part of it is that people are only driven to change when pain of changing is less than the pain of staying where you're at. Mira Kirschenbaum wrote a book called too good to leave too bad to stay. It's about marriages that are in that weird phase where it's like, Oh, I don't like this, but it's not so uncomfortable that it's forcing me out. But I question on a regular basis, whether I should stay. And Until you can kind of cross that threshold and realize that the pleasure and the joy and the wonderfulness on the other side of taking that risk to kind of make some change and do things differently, there's a better outcome on that, uh, on the side of taking the risk and staying where you're at, then people will just remain stuck. As you're talking to that, I think it's a
0: big mindset shift. One of the things that Kate and I talk a lot about is this idea of, you know, the mind is designed to avoid pain, right? Like exactly what you're saying. Yep. And Kate and I, when we were in that mode, we call it like being in our pile of shit, right? Where it's like, eventually, yeah, yeah, it starts out, it's crappy, it's it's stinky. But after a while, you kind of realize like, hey, this is kind of gooey. It's kind of soft. After a while, it doesn't even stink anymore. And you just become (laughs) complacent in that pile of shit. And what happens is the unknown becomes much more threatening than just staying where you're at. I guess like, you know, if you think about there's men listening to this podcast, they're kind of in that mode. Like, yeah, right. What you guys are saying sounds great on paper, but this is my situation at home. What would you say are one or two steps that they can start to take in order to really dive a little bit deeper and be the catalyst for that amazing
1: marriage that they want? I think there's two important things that people need to master, especially men, if they want to create change in their relationship. The foundation of it is this quote by Dr. John Gottman. He is the most well-respected marriage researcher in the world he's done over 40 years of relationship research and my favorite quote of his is it's the small things done often that make the difference and if you want to transform your relationship you absolutely can without the buy-in of your partner without their without them getting on board with it you can change your relationship all it requires is consistency Now, consistency is important, so that's one part of the equation, but the second part of the equation is consistency with what? The idea of consistency is nice, but it's not specific enough. If you want to have a nice-looking yard, you need to consistently cut the grass, but if you use scissors to cut the grass, you're still not going to get the outcome you want. And so there are certain things that you need to be consistent with in your relationship. If you want your relationship to improve, if you want it to look good, if you want it to thrive. Another quote by Dr. John Gottman, I'm going to butcher it, but he he basically says that if all you do in your marriage is not screw it up, his belief is that over time, it's still going to degrade. You're going to drift apart from your partner. And so in order for you to stay connected and for your relationship to get better over time, it requires some specific efforts on your part. And a great place to start is expressing sincere and very specific gratitude and appreciation towards your partner. That's like marriage 101. If you aren't expressing regular gratitude and appreciation towards your partner on a daily basis, your relationship is probably degrading a little bit over time. And if you don't do it at all, your relationship more likely than not is probably in some trouble right now. It's a very, very small thing that has a very large impact.
0: Yeah, and I love that line, small things that often make a huge difference. And I think oftentimes we we kind of overthink it because we think that in order to get from this place where we're deeply stuck in roommate mode, there needs to be this massive event. And what we realize, yeah, I love that you're shaking your head. No, because I think what we realize is the more, the longer you wait for that massive event to happen, the more intimidating it gets and the more you kind of get in your own way instead of just starting small and understand there's a huge compound effect over time. What do you think? I 100%. guess, Nate, yeah, I wanted to ask you, you know, what do you say to those men that, cause I think we're talking to men, but really couples in general that are in that place where, you know, they're not sure they haven't felt that desire, that love for a really long time and they're not really sure if their partner's on board How do you suggest they enter into that
1: conversation? I would suggest starting with having a conversation with yourself. You're going to run into a lot of problems if the reason that you are putting an effort into your relationship is because you want to see your partner change. If the goal is, if I apologize to my partner, they'll forgive me. If I tell my partner I love them, they'll tell me they love me back. If I express affection towards my partner, they'll express physical affection back towards me. Like this hidden agenda, tit for tat, giving with the intent of receiving doesn't work in marriage. The question that I would encourage you to have, or the conversation I would encourage you to have with yourself is, who do I want to be as a husband or as a wife? Who do I want to be as a partner? Do I want to be the kind of person who expresses gratitude and appreciation on a regular basis? Do I want to be the kind of person who brings joy and goodness into the lives of others? Do I want to be the kind of person who takes responsibility when I screw up and tries to make it right instead of getting defensive and trying to run and hide? Am I the kind of person who wants to stay connected with the people that I love, even when I'm feeling anxious and feeling like I want to shut down and withdraw and hide? Am I the type of person who wants to look in the mirror and think about the ways that I'm contributing to my own misery and the misery of the people that I love instead of pointing the finger of blame at other people and making it my misery, their fault. You go be that person, not because your partner is going to respond in some miraculous way and it's going to save your marriage. You go behave that way because that's who you want to be. That's who you want to be as a partner. And when you show up that way as a partner, it does inspires your partner to level up and meet you where you're, where you are at. But that rarely works if your goal is to try and manipulate your partner into being a a better version of themselves. You know, this is a you thing. And you're going to bring you with you wherever you go, whether this relationship works out or not. I love what you're saying here
0: because I do think, you know, Kate and I talk a lot about this, but I really think it's important that at the end of the day, you know, I can look myself in the mirror, Kate can look herself in the mirror and say, I showed up the way that I wanted to show up. I'm putting things out in the world in the way that I want to, so I can look at myself and respect myself. Because we totally believe, just like you're saying, your relationship with yourself is a very foundational relationship that we often forget. And I think the other side of that, which I think a lot of men hate to admit, but the reality is there's a level of powerlessness if you're constantly expecting somebody to do things in reaction to you. Yeah. Once you can kind of get to the place you're talking about, where you can have that conversation with yourself, look yourself in the mirror, I think that's very empowering. To say, no matter what happens, I want to look myself in the mirror and respect that person.
1: Yeah. Another great question for men to ask themselves is how do you respond to rejection? When you don't get what you want, how do you show up? Do you pout? Do you whine? Do you sulk? Do you withdraw? Do you get passive aggressive? Do you guilt trip your partner? Or can you just take it on the sleeve? Let's say you're trying to initiate sex and your partner says no. Can you go, hey, you know that hurts? I would really love to connect with you in that way tonight. But um, if you're not in the mood, I totally understand. Maybe we'll try again later this week. And you can be mature about it. These little things, these little ways that we show up make an impact on our relationship. And I think a lot of men show up as little boys, including myself. We haven't been shown what it's like to show up as a mature adult in a mature adult relationship. Most of us are, especially when we're hurting, showing up as the wounded children that we are. So the, the beauty of marriage is that it forces you in one way or another to heal. And your marriage stagnates when you you avoid, and I've seen people who avoid growing for decades. They find a comfortable place and there's moments of goodness, but there's a lot of just kind of gritting your teeth and and pushing through. And I think that's fine if that's what you want, but if you want something better, it's there for you to take, but it requires you to not avoid. It requires you to not dodge looking in the mirror, not to close your eyes when things get hard, but to actually stare yourself in the face and examine what it is you need to do to outgrow the problems that you're facing.
0: I love that message, Nate. And I love that you're saying it because I agree. For me, the hardest thing that I did, you know, three, four years ago when Kate and I, our marriage was kind of ending was to be honest with myself and really say like, hey, Eric, you had a huge part in creating this. And if you want it to be different, it's up to you to lead yourself to be a different husband. And I think Mm -hmm. for so long, I had expected Kate to lead me. And I think now I'm able to say like, even like in our sexual relationships, anything like that, it's like, if I want to create something different, I feel empowered to do it. And I think that took a lot of work, right? And sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I fall on my face. You know, we're very open and honest about that. But I do think that my relationship with myself and healing a lot of that and really elevating a lot of that has impacted the way that I show up as a husband, as a father, as a man. And so I love that that's a great message that we can put out to our listeners because I think it's one of the most important relationships that we have.
1: When you start taking responsibility like that and start looking in the mirror, that's kind of where we start to crawl our way out of roommate syndrome. And on the other side of that responsibility is growth. And a a result of that growth is that you get to experience the type of fulfillment and connection that I think we all want in our relationships. You know, we want to be respected. We want to be admired. We want to be adored. We want to be cherished. And that happens when we show up for our partner in a way that we don't show up for anybody else. And it starts with showing up for ourselves in a powerful way and really getting clear on who we want to be as individuals in our relationship, when you really get consistent and you really look yourself in the mirror and start outgrowing your problems, something really, truly magical happens. And there's only a small fraction of people who get to experience that type of beauty. There's some really great research by a man named Eli Finkel. He showed that most marriages decline in fulfillment and satisfaction over time, but there's a small fraction that get happier and more fulfilled over time. And those couples right now are happier than any couples in history. Those are the couples who are learning to outgrow this roommate syndrome thing. They get out of that funk and they outgrow their problems. And that's the only thing that distinguishes that small group of people who are whose relationships are thriving from everybody else. So it's people like you and your podcast that going out there and sharing this message that I think really inspires people to take that step and show people what this is all about. Give them an example something to strive towards. So kudos to you for doing the work and showing other people how to do it as well.
0: Thanks, man. I really appreciate you saying that. And I definitely want to respect your time, mate. So if I want to send people your way, you know, for everything you do, I know you put so much great content out there. Where can we send them? Where can we point them to?
1: Yeah, I just put together a really cool one week challenge about roommate syndrome. If you just go to roommatesyndrome.com and um, what coupon code should they use? I'll set that up right when we're done. What do you you think would be a good coupon code for them to use to get it for free? Uh, You can just use Evolved. Evolved. I'll set that up right now. So go to roommate use the coupon code evolved, and I will give you access to that one week challenge for free. And I'll walk you through some more of the basic steps that you need to master. and some really practical things that you can start doing to get out of roommate syndrome. If you feel like you're stuck there right now. Awesome, man. Thanks for that. And
0: we'll add all your information in the show notes too. So people can go find your podcast uh, that you do with your wife, which is absolutely amazing. So thanks for that, man, because we really yeah, you putting out there.
1: Thank you. It's been a joy having hanging out with you. See you next. See
0: ya. Well, everyone, I hope you love this episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening in. If you did enjoy it, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. That always helps us out. Uh, you can also check us out on Instagram uh, at evolved underscore marriage. Uh, that's where we do regular postings every day. Uh, just sharing insight and a little bit more about our lives. Uh, if you want to get to know us and really learn some serious skills in order to evolve your marriage. I'll also put in the show notes, I have released a relationship course. So this is what I call the Relationship Revival Masterclass. This is specifically for men who are looking to lead in their intimate life. This is a step-by-step guide designed to help you go from feeling like roommates to lovers in nine weeks with very clear direction in order to help you take action with confidence. So things look different after those nine weeks. So if you are interested, I'll leave that link in the show notes. So thanks again for being here. Next week, Kate and I are back uh, with a big announcement that we want to share with our community. So really, really excited for that podcast and we'll see you next week.